I wanna welcome all of you to the second week of our series entitled Uncertain. In this series, we're talking about what do you do when you don't know what to do? You see, all of us face moments of uncertainty in our lives where we're not quite sure what decisions to make. Think about, think about even what we're dealing with right now. Think about the situation that all of us are in and whether it's a budget shortfall or maybe some relational challenges or even health concerns. And so we're in moments right now in our lives where we're having to make decisions and we're not quite sure what to do. You see, the fact is we're not alone in that. The uncertainty has been a part of the human dilemma for thousands of years. Think about it even in the Bible. Think, think about the different men and women in the Bible. Abraham, the father of our faith, who dealt with the situation in his life when he wasn't sure what to do. And I mean, he's the patriarch, like the father of the faith. Think about Esther, a great woman of God in the Old Testament. And there was a moment in her life and she faced a, quote, moment of uncertainty. Think about Jesus himself. Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane in the, in the hour of betrayal and, and, and he was praying. He knew what was about to happen and, and, and he, was, he was in a moment, a very tough spot. Even the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul the, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a great man of God. I like what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Here's what he says. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. See, he was in moments in his life of uncertainty. And when we face seasons or when we face moments of uncertainty, it elicits what I call emotions. And often the emotion of fear comes to the surface. So you're in a situation of uncertainty and the response emotionally is we often feel fear. Now, sometimes it's, pretty intense. And sometimes it's maybe a little bit more of a, a lighter connotation. In other words, sometimes we're dealing with situations that are not as serious, but yet we feel fear. I, I never forget a number of years ago, I was dealing with my son. We were on a, a camping thing. Actually, it was a kind of a summer father and son getaway in California. And it's a ranch that parents and their kids go to. And I remember that we were dealing with this situation. I don't like heights, okay? By way of full disclosure, I don't like heights. I don't like anything about heights. I'm trying to get over that. But we were going on this course called the high ropes. They have the high ropes and the low ropes. And I'll never forget, they were selecting groups and some were selected to go on the low ropes and some on the high ropes, of course. It's pretty, you know, understandable what is, there's higher and there's, well, there's lower. And of course, we were picked to go on the high ropes. When we went up there, now remember, remember, this course has been used for 30 years. Remember, we are tied off. So if you fall, well, you just kind of dangle down there, but you, but you, you know, you don't die. And I got to tell you, I was so scared thinking about it. So there's this little ledge and we've got to go. And there was an uncertainty attached to it. Now remember, the fear was attached to the uncertainty. And I tell you, my son went out there and he's like, come on, dad, it's not that big of a deal. Of course, I didn't feel that confident. Now maybe you're in a situation right now and it's uncertain. Now that's a little bit of a silly situation. And of course, we got to the end of that, but some of you guys are in situations right now that are uncertain and you feel, you feel that fear and you're not quite sure what to do. How do you press through that fear? 
You know, it's interesting, uh, in a study, we were looking at the children of Israel last weekend. And the children of Israel in the Old Testament, they were delivered from Egyptian bondage. And they were excited and they were high-fiving one another. And they were all thrilled and just pumped up. They'd been in captivity for 400 years in Egypt. And they came to a body of water called the Red Sea. And just when they thought, man, this is going to be amazing, we're going to go around this body of water, we're going to go through the wilderness, and we're going home to Canaan land. They came up to the Red Sea, and as they turned around, they saw Pharaoh's army. Now, Pharaoh ruled Egypt, and so now they faced a situation where they couldn't go forward, but they couldn't go backwards, and they weren't sure what to do. And again, so many people are in that right now. Even this past week, I spoke with somebody in our church and in a business situation. Pastor, I'm not sure what to do, man. I, and, and I know God loves me and I know God's with me, but I'm, I'm really concerned. And, and in this story, I believe that God gives us four unique things that we can do, four keys of how to deal with uncertainty. And we began last week, we talked about in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, what God said to Moses to tell the children of Israel. And I believe it applies to us today. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, here it is, four things to do when you're facing uncertainty. Moses said to the people, number one, do not be afraid. Number two, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again, no more forever. If you go on in verse 14, we see the four things. Number one, fear not. Number two, stand still. Number three, hold your peace. And number four, go for it. I'm going to say it again. The four things that God gives us, we're going to deal with number one today. Number one, fear not. Can you say that with me? Come on, say it. Fear not. Fear not. Number two, stand still. I'm going to talk to you next week how to stand in faith. That standing in faith does not mean passively resigning yourself to circumstances, but it means to actively trust and believe God. Number three, I'm going to talk to you about what it means, listen, to walk in supernatural peace. And number four, how to go for it. Today, I want to address the very first thing that God tells Moses to tell them, do not be afraid. First and foremost, when we deal with uncertainty, is that feeling of fear. Fear is an emotion. And it just, all of a sudden, it just, it wants to take over our lives. It wants to color our perspective. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. This is so interesting. Do you guys know, think about this, what do you think is the most often commanded thing in the Bible from God? In other words, what does God tell us over and over and over in scripture. Now, you, you may think it's, well, Pastor Steve, it's gotta be, be more loving. Now, love is a high priority, absolutely. Maybe you think it's, you know, well, be a servant. Absolutely, Jesus was a servant, and he told us how to pick up the towel and to serve others, but it's really not be more loving or be a servant. It's actually something that we find in the Bible 366 times. Here it is, you guys ready? It's fear not. Now, why, why 366 times? Well, maybe it's because every day when you wake up, there's an opportunity for us to be afraid. 
We say, Pastor, it's 365 days. Well, you remember, I mean, you know, God doesn't even forget leap year. I know that's a little bit cheesy, but fear not over and over in the Bible. Fear not the most common command in Scripture. You know, when I think about the word fear, fear, let me give you a definition. It's, it's a powerful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of impending danger. Think about that for a moment. It's a powerful emotion. So here's how it works. We face uncertainty, and when we face uncertainty, our mind kicks in, and now all of a sudden, the first emotion that often comes to the surface is fear. And we kick into the coulda, woulda, shoulda, and I'm not sure about this, and what about this? We go into scenario planning. Now, I do wanna say that all fear is not bad fear. There, there are some fear that's it's a healthy fear. Let me give you an example, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter one, I love this scripture. It says this, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So not all fear is bad fear. There is some fear, for example, you tell your son or your daughter when they're small, don't touch the hot stove, don't touch the hot stove. You need to, well, you need to reverence that. Why? Because when you touch it, it's gonna burn your hand. So some fear keeps us out of trouble. Like the fear of jumping out of airplanes when you're 50 years old to still prove that you've got it. Okay, that, that is a good fear. I don't wanna do that, all right? Well, some fear is a healthy fear, but most fear, most fear is negative. Most fear is that emotion that comes up when we're dealing with uncertainty and it keeps you, it keeps you away from obeying God. It locks you up. It locks you up in your mind. It locks you up in your soul. It locks you up in your life. And, and, you're, and you're scared. You're scared to move forward. You're scared to make decisions. Should I do this? Would I do this? Matter of fact, most fear is based upon a lack of proper perspective. I want you to think about that for a moment. Most fear is based upon a lack of definitely a God perspective. Think about a couple weeks ago, I, I was teaching in our church that Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. When he was in the boat with his disciples, there's this raging storm that comes around them. They're all, I mean, they are wigging out, right? But the Bible says that Jesus is asleep in the boat. How can, how can Jesus be dealing with the exact same storm the disciples are dealing with, and yet he's sleeping and they're freaking out? Why? It's an issue of perspective. See, where you are in your life right now, if we lose sight of the fact that God loves us, that he has our lives in control, that God is for us, see, the moment we lose perspective and we get out of kilter, we begin to view our circumstances, we begin to view our lives out of proper proportion. In other words, not necessarily from God's perspective. So why? Why the command fear not? Why does God tell us over and over and over? Because some of you right now are dealing with uncertainty and you're feeling that fear come up to the surface. And why does God tell us over and over in the Bible to fear not? Let me give you a couple reasons why. Let me give you three. Number one, the danger of allowing fear, listen, to dictate your life. I wanna qualify something. Feelings come and feelings go. We don't submit to them. It's not a sin to feel fear, but I think if we don't conquer fear, it can actually lead us to sin. 
So let me give you a couple things about fear and the dangers of allowing fear to engulf our life. Number one, here's the high cost of fear. Number one, fear can erode our self-worth and it can breed stagnation. You know what fear does? Fear limits our ability to believe in God's call upon our life, to believe in God's hand upon our life. In other words, fear can cause us to lose sight of even our own value before God, that we're made in the image of God as capable and competent men and women of God. And what happens is when we give in to fear, it causes this, this, this sense of stagnation. See, God has designed you to achieve. In other words, God has designed you and I to hit obstacles head on. But when we give in to fear, when we give up because of fear, when we recoil and we shrink back because of fear, listen, it causes a certain eroding of our self-worth. But when we rise up in God, when we tackle the challenges before us, and some are dealing with huge challenges. Some of you guys, I mean massive, we all are. But when we hit them head on in the name of Jesus and by the power of God, there's a certain sense of satisfaction that comes. Why? Because we've dealt with the challenge and we've overcome. I love that scripture in the book of Proverbs. It's so powerful. It says this Proverbs chapter 28, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but, but the righteous, the righteous are bold as a lion. See, when we address and when we tackle the challenges before us and when we overcome, oh man, there is a satisfaction that comes. You know, I grew up, my mom and my dad, my blood father were divorced when I was young at four years old. And my mom got married a year later. I have a wonderful stepfather and raised me. But my father and I had a very rocky relationship. My blood father, he was an alcoholic. And when I was 12, he just checked out of my life and my brother's life was a couple years older than me. For six years, I didn't hear from him. And then I received a letter. I received a letter from him. I had just recently become a believer in Jesus. And he wrote a letter and he explained why he'd been out of our lives. And he, and he invited me to meet him actually at a, a breakfast place in Manhattan. It was called Smitty's. You can look it up today. And I remember when I received that letter, I thought to myself, I would just, I'd just become a Christian. I was a, a young believer in Jesus. And I remember part of me thought, man, you know what? He's left me and I, I, don't, I don't really want to talk to him. But there's another part of me said, you know what? I'm, I'm a Christian and I want to share my newfound faith in Christ with my dad and, and, and I need to do this. And, and sure enough, sure enough, I flew up there on an airplane and I remember walking into that breakfast place. I think they called it an Irish pub and it was a breakfast place that it was a wonderful place in Manhattan. And I, and I walked in there and I hadn't seen my dad in six years. And I remember seeing my dad that day and boy, he had aged and he was kind of nervous and I was kind of nervous, but, but I pressed through. I was a young believer in Jesus and the spirit of God. I drew, listen, I was scared. I, I didn't know what he was going to say, but I stepped forward and I overcame that. And we've been began to develop a relationship. 12 years later, I had the privilege of leading my dad to Christ on his deathbed. And now he's in heaven. Thank God. Listen, thank God I didn't give in to fear. And I want to encourage you today. Listen, it's okay to feel fear, but we want to overcome that fear. We don't want to be paralyzed because it can cause stagnation. Number two, there's another cost to fear when we give in. And it steals our joy and it multiplies our regret. 
When you and I have a mindset of fear, it ends up, listen, it ends up stealing the joy out of our lives. We end up living in a land of worry. We all know the chronic low-grade feeling of, man, just feeling that sense of fear. And what happens is oftentimes people that are prone to fear have very active imaginations. I know I do. I mean, I can scenario plan and I start going through bucket one, bucket two, bucket three. I don't know, maybe you guys have that, but I, I start going through that scenario playing. And what happens is those of you that, that have active imaginations and we, we can think our way into fear so quickly. I got this statistic recently. It says this, research shows the average person's fear focuses, listen to this, 40% on things that will never happen. 30% on things about the past that can't be changed. 12% on criticism from others, mostly untrue. 10% on their health, which typically gets worse with stress. And 8% on real problems they face. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. 92% of what people fear either never comes to pass or they have no control over it. When you live in fear, when you and I live in fear, we lose proper perspective. The power of the what if becomes all-consuming in our lives. And let me just say this, fear and joy are mutually exclusive. It is very rare that you ever see a fearful and joyful person. And it's all about our perspective. You see, you may be facing a terrible circumstance right now, and listen, I'm in no way trying to belittle the importance of you having wisdom, how to navigate through that. But what is your perspective? Do you see it through just your eyes or do you see it through God's perspective? When you see it through God's perspective, all of a sudden, listen, when you see things from God's perspective, you see it differently. But if you see it through your own limited perspective, that's what the Bible talks a lot about worrying. What is worrying? Worrying is when we divide the mind, when we, when we see life from our own human perspective. Jesus talks a lot about this in the Gospels. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God's not forgotten about you. Just because of a virus, just because of what, listen, God's not forgotten about you. God knows what your needs are. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. Let's put God first in his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Again, worry and fear wants to steal our joy. Let me give you the third thing about fear. Fear. If we don't master fear, and we can master it. I'm going to show you at the end. We can master fear. Even when we feel fear, we can, we, can learn how to, we can learn how to overcome it, even in spite of that feeling, where it doesn't, listen, it doesn't dictate our lives. It's an indicator, but never a dictator. Number three, fear contaminates others. It costs us. We can pass it on from one relationship to the next. 
We can pass it on to our kids. We can pass it on to our coworkers. By the way, people are watching our words today. They're watching our attitudes. They're watching, are you a man or a woman of faith? Listen, there's nothing wrong with having concerns, but we bring those to God and we walk in faith. The children of Israel cross the Red Sea and they come into the wilderness and they come up to the promised land and Remember, there's 12 nations, or there's actually 12 tribes, one nation of Israel, but there's 12 tribes. And the leaders of each one of the tribes are commissioned by Moses to go into the promised land. And they come back. Think about the power of influence here. And Moses evaluates what all of them think about going into the promised land. And 10 of them had a bad report. And only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, Only two of them had a faith perspective. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. You see, Joshua and Caleb had a different perspective. They had gone in and seen the same challenges. They had gone into the promised land and they had seen the same blessing. They saw the challenges and they saw the blessing. Only two out of the 12 came back and gave Moses a good report and gave the people. And the Bible says there was a whole generation that was not able to go into the promised land because they believed the bad report, the negative report of 10 men. Think about this. 10 men cost a million people going into their destiny. Man, I want to make sure in my life I want to make sure as a pastor, I want to make sure as a dad, I want to make sure as a husband that I don't let, listen, I don't let my negativity spill onto those that are around me. I want to be a man of faith, somebody that sees life from God's perspective, because I know that fear, listen, both fear and faith, they're highly contagious. And I want to be a person of faith, and so can you. People are watching us. People are listening to us. So the question then becomes, pastor, what do I do? How do I overcome fear in my life? God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, number one, fear not. Why? Because he knew that fear is the number one emotion we face in uncertainty. Let me give you guys two quick things before we close. Two ways to overcome fear. Number one, we've got to learn this. We've got to learn how to think about what we're thinking about. We've got to learn to recognize our thoughts. All fear begins in the thought realm. That's where fear, fear is an emotion. But emotions are byproducts of our thoughts. Here's how it works. What you think determines what you feel. And what you feel determines what decisions you often make. So if you want to change your decisions, you've got to go back to change what you're thinking. The reason why we feel the fear that we feel is because we're allowing thoughts to germinate in our mind. How often we've allowed negativity in all of that negative, fearful thinking in our minds. That's why Paul the Apostle in the book of Corinthians addresses our mindset. He talks about strongholds that come into our minds. I'm talking about how to overcome fear. And Paul addresses this when he says this to the Corinthian church. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Think about this for a moment. There are strongholds that develop in our minds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me stop right there for a moment. There are thoughts that go through our minds. We've got to measure those thoughts against the word of God. Watch what Paul says. Bring every thought into the captivity 
of the obedience of Christ. In other words, you and I, if we want to overcome fear in our lives, we've got to learn to evaluate what thoughts are going through our minds and are those thoughts inconsistent or consistent with the word of God? I can imagine the children of Israel when they were right there at the Red Sea. Maybe they were thinking this, God, you know, why did God do this to us? And why did he lead us out here just to kill us in the wilderness? Well, they actually even said that. Well, where do you think that thought came from? People ask me this before. I say, Pastor, you know, do you believe the devil can read our mind? No, but I believe he can suggest thoughts. And then he evaluates our behavior. Ephesians chapter 6 says, is that the armor of God actually extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. Question, what have you been thinking about lately? What self-incriminating thoughts? What thoughts that you never dreamed that you'd even think? Question, where would they come from? Where is the origination of those thoughts? Paul says that if we're gonna, listen, be men and women of faith, we've gotta learn to watch what we're thinking. Think about what you're thinking about. It's amazing when we begin to evaluate our thoughts. Think about that. Wait a minute, does that thought line up with the word of God? Is that thought consistent with the Bible? I wanna measure my thoughts. Pastor, why am I feeling fear? Question, what have you been thinking about? Well, I just, you know, I've just been kind of just quarantined and just we've been watching a lot of crazy movies. I've been having crazy dreams. Wait, time out. Is there a connection? Is there a connection between crazy movies and crazy dreams? Absolutely there is. Because what you put in your mind determines what you begin to feel. And what you begin to feel is based upon what you're thinking. What you're thinking produces what you're feeling. And what you think and feel often produces your decisions. You begin to act on it. Number one, if you and I want to learn to overcome fear, we've got to learn to think about what we're thinking about. Measure every thought according to the word of God. Is this consistent with scripture? Is this against what scripture teaches? And number two, the second thing that I see here, we want to be people of faith. How we can overcome negativity. We've got to learn to renew our mind with God's truth. I wrote this down. You and I, as we learn how to grow in faith, we need to battle the lies that fly through our brains that try to indict God, that try to indict us, that try to war against the word of God. Those thoughts, those lies. We need to evaluate them with the word of God and we need to renew our minds. Pastor, how do I renew my mind? Well, I've got to learn to take out old thoughts and put in new thoughts. I've got to learn to take out old thinking and replace them with new thinking. And one of the greatest ways to renew your mind is through memorizing scripture and declaring the word of God over your life. Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your home with the word of God. It's the word of God. And the more that you, listen, challenge negative thinking, why don't we challenge those thoughts? Don't just let any negative thought go through your mind unchallenged. But cha wait, that's not what God says about me. That, that, that's, I never forget after I became a Christian. It was about six months afterwards and I had a memory and, and I thought about something in my past and boy, the enemy just started moving in and lying to me and telling me, you know, you're not really a Christian. And I had to learn to confess the word of God. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. I'm reminded of that verse in the scripture in David. I love the book of Psalms. There's so much good proclamation and declaration of who God is in David's life. And David, you talk about somebody who the enemy was after. 
whether it was King Saul or whether it was his son Absalom, and he had to learn to declare the word of God over his life. And David said in Psalms chapter 27, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We've got to learn to declare. Sir, you've got to learn to declare the word of God over your life. I'm talking about how to not live in fear. Number one, we've got to challenge negative thoughts. Why? Fear is an emotion that comes directly proportioned to the allowance of negative thinking in our mind. And we've got to renew our minds. Declare over your life, the Lord is my life. The Lord. Psalms 27, these scriptures, memorize these scriptures. Psalms 27, 1. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You start declaring that over your life. The Lord is the strength of my life. You start feeling weary. Man, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through these times. Man, this is a tough season that people are in. Declare what God is. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It may look bad in the natural. It may look like there are obstacles that I'm facing that are insurmountable. You start declaring the Lord is the strength of my life. You feel spiritually invigorated. You feel the strength of God. So what have we taught today? Here's what we've learned. Number one, that many of us are dealing with uncertain situations right now. And when you deal with uncertainty, the first emotion that often comes to the surface is fear. And that's why God told Moses, tell the children of Israel when they were at that Red Sea, number one, the very first thing is to fear not. Fear costs us big time. Fear, we gotta learn to push past our fears. We've got to learn to evaluate what we're thinking. And we've got to learn to declare what God says about our lives. You're strong, sir, in God. Ma'am, you are strong in the Lord. Not in your own strength, but in the strength of Christ. You memorize scriptures. You declare them over your life. And you watch what God will do. You know, the very first step to growing in God is when we trust Christ as our Savior. And maybe today you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, we have literally had thousands and thousands of people, whether it's tuning in online or this new TV program. We're just trying to get the word out that God's a good God, that he loves us, that if we'll trust Christ as our savior, if we'll let go of our old life and trust the Lord, that God will save your life. Jesus will, listen, he will wash you, he will forgive you, and he will give you a new start, a new beginning. And maybe you're not sure where you are with God. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads right now. If you're not sure that you're a Christian, the Bible says if you'll put your faith in Jesus, you'll trust him as your Lord and Savior, if you'll let go of your old life and you'll turn to him, that you can be, that you can start a new life, that you can be born again, like the Bible says. And you pray a prayer like this, dear Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sin. I turn to you, I turn to the cross, make me new, make me new. I surrender, I surrender.
prayed that prayer with me and you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you actually become born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. If you made a decision for Christ, I'm going to ask you right now, those of you that are following us online, just let your host know. Those of you that are with us on TV, matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. You can text a decision. You can text. We want to know. Text us at 25827. 25827. We'd like to help you walk with Jesus. Church of the King, we'd like to help you take your next step in God. I want you to stay tuned with me next week. I'm going to talk to you about the second key that God gives us. After he says, fear not, he says, stand still. I'm going to talk to you about what it means to stand in faith in the Bible. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.